Hey guys, I hope you're having a great week. This week we're finishing up 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 19. And it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. So as we finish up chapter 4, Peter starts to close down uh, this letter. And he kind of sums up the letter to these believers who may or may not be experiencing suffering as they live in a world that thinks differently than they do. And so he starts out and he says, don't be surprised if you're refined through trials. And it kind of ties back to chapter 1. Where he says, so the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. He's kind of reminding of of that, that suffering and refinement and trials, they're going to happen. And that's just the reality of being a sojourner in this world as a believer. I think this is so easy to say, but it's so hard to live this out. One of the things that strikes me in this section is the way that um, men and women handed, handled adversity uh, when it came to them in scriptures. Uh, David was one. Uh, he said in Psalm 119, uh, it is good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Wow, I mean, that's powerful. And I, one of the thoughts that I had was uh, one of his biggest afflictions, one of the times where he was distraught the most was, uh, with the death of his and Bathsheba's son. Um, his uh, son was sick, and he fasted and wept and just prayed his guts out for seven days, uh, just hardcore, so much so that um, when his son did die, the attendants were very nervous to tell him that his son had died, and um, they finally said, you're, you know, your son is dead. And it says, David got up from the ground, he washed, put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at a request they served him food, and he ate. He seemingly recovered immediately. I would say it's not because he found joy or there's something that just overcame him, but he understood, and he, under, um, he tells us to understand that God's story is longer than the pain and suffering. It is eternal, and the scales will be balanced. Things will be okay. Uh, what you're going through will be reconciled. And we're only upset when we think, oh, they're nev it's never going to be reconciled. It's never going to be taken care of. I always get the short end of the stick. And David, in this simple example, says, nope. He says, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord might be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him 
and he will not return to me. And it's just that idea like he understands the child is with God. He'll see him again. He can rest in God's promises that way. Talks about rejoicing inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. That, that sounds hard. Wow, like I don't want to suffer for Christ, and I don't know how joy I could have because his glory is revealed. Maybe that demonstrates my lack of understanding of who God is and what he's doing in the big picture of humanity, of the big picture of time, of big picture of everything before my life began, after my life began. And I think a lot of times when we think about um, suffering for Christ, we limit it to, in my case, the 54 years that I've been alive. What pain have I suffered? What what, uh, terrible things have happened to me? What uh, has happened to me that I should be bitter about? What, What have I suffered? As opposed to the bigger picture is Christ is through that, understands that, and through time and through other people's lives, his glory is being revealed, and it could be revealed through me. Yeah, and I think when we're experiencing suffering or we're experiencing trials, we have that mindset sometimes of, like, this is not right. It should not be like this. And I think that's true. It shouldn't be like this. This wasn't God's plan. It wasn't his design originally that uh, the world would be like this and that we would experience suffering, but we can have hope that one day it won't be like this forever. One day it won't be like this anymore. And we might not fully be able to relate to suffering like the, this that it's talking about in these verses or in this, in this book. And we might not be able to relate to suffering that Christians are experiencing around the world. But in some ways... We all experience some sufferings, and they're all valid. And in those times, as we go through them, we can come together as a community and encourage one another and rejoice with each other and mourn with each other and and come together in those times because that's what doing life together is all about. And it says, if you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Because God is with you in those trials, in those sufferings. So one of the things that I think through when people tell me uh, what's going on in their life and they want to know where to ascribe or where to blame the problem, is this, is God doing this to me? Is our enemy doing this to me? Are just people being jerks to me? Like, how do we think through that? And I think one of the, the easiest verses to th- parse through that is uh, John 10 10 when Jesus says I come that they might have life and life to the full the thief comes to steal kill and destroy so if you have things that have been stolen if you have things that have been taken away from you have you if you have loss that is not from God that wasn't the plan our enemy is doing that so to distract you to dissuade you to get you to change your mind about who Christ is and that is not what we're doing one of the things that uh, this passage really says is great is um, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, just like Parker said, for the spirit of glory, and if God rests on you, like, don't underestimate that. Like, the spirit of God is resting on you when that happens. It's not just a feel-good thing. It's the literal spirit of God is resting on you. Yeah, I think sometimes our world tries to 
make us feel embarrassed about experiencing hard times. It's like that moment where people might say, I thought you were a Christian. Why is this happening to you? I thought you were a Christian. You know, where's God in your situation? And I think that Peter's just reminding us that that might be how the world tries to make us feel, but we shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be embarrassed because it's further proof that we are followers of Jesus. Jesus had a great example on the cross, right? So he's dying and he looks out and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is ultimately, ultimately putting all the responsibility, all the trust in God the Father, saying, I know that you'll end this well. I know that this is just a short time of suffering, and I am claiming that. And that is incredible. But honestly, if if we're honest, we're like, yeah, that's Jesus. Jesus might have had a higher tolerance of pain than me. Maybe he just, whatever excuses we might give. It's in Acts 7 that we see Stephen, a man being stoned to death for his faith, having the same kind of response. What I like about Stephen's is as he's being stoned, he looks up to heaven and, and says the same thing. Father, don't count this sin against them. And then it says, and then Stephen fell asleep. I like that because it, that falling asleep, he didn't yell in agony as he was going out in pain. He fell asleep knowing that he was just going to sleep and he was going to wake up in the kingdom. He was going to wake up in God's new plan, in God's plan for his life, and it was just going to continue the storyline. That falling asleep is showing that great amount of trust. It's, it's knowing that God's spirit was resting on him. It's knowing that he could praise God for that. Yeah, like Peter says in verse 19, so then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. One definition of entrust was to give to someone for safekeeping, that we can give our lives to God for safekeeping because he's faithful. So then how should we live as followers of Jesus and as exiles and spiritual minorities in our world as we experience suffering? How do we entrust our lives to God, to our faithful creator? I think it's easy to just say that we do. I trust God with my life or I trust Jesus for my future. But I think Peter's telling us to do more than that. He's saying, while doing what is good, that as we go through suffering and as we go through trials and as we go through hard times, the way that we can show that we are trusting God with our lives. It's by doing all of the things that Peter's talked about in these first chapters. It's by being holy and abstaining from sin and submitting to authority and being devoted to what is good and loving each other and building up the community, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're getting treated unfairly. We can continue to do good. We can continue to follow Jesus. And by doing so, we're showing the world that ultimately over any of the situations that we're going through, that above all that, we know that God is going to make it right in the end, and we're trusting Him with our future. I love that. So here's a general rule of thumb. Uh, Are we going to suffer? Yep. Are we going to suffer some more? Yes, we are. It's going to be continual. So what should we do while we're suffering? Get caught doing something good. That's what it says. Continue to do good. 
it's it's kind of the first parenting clue, right? With our kids, you want to catch kids doing the right thing. Well, let's get caught doing the right thing. Whether it's praising God, whether it's building community, whether it's helping others, whether it's serving others, let's get caught doing those things. Let's make our suffering count for something. So this week, we'd love for you to join us on Sunday as we kind of dive in a little bit deeper to these verses and we look at how do we live these verses out in the midst of suffering. So we hope you join us on Sunday and uh, we'll see you this week.